Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. We're in part two of a three-part series called Getting the Most Out of Life, okay? And what we've done is we have taken some obscure Bible stories and uh, Bible characters that you've probably never heard of. I mean, we've all know of the Moses and the Davids and the Jobs and, you know, even Jesus and the Apostle Paul and, you know, all of these well-known. Well, there's some less well-known people in the Bible, but they're still in there for a really, really good reason. And I think that they, when we look at their lives, we can look at their stories in the Bible of what they accomplished, that we can get something out of it, mainly of how to get the most out of life. I've been telling you the story about how it was my first time in a particular pasture on the Rockerby Ranch that I worked on. And um, my dad was a paid cowboy out there. And then when I graduated from high school, they hired me as well. So it was, you know, one of my first paid gigs as a, as a cowboy. And we were in this pasture that I'd never been in horseback. But the wagon boss, whenever he dropped me off, he's like, look, man, you're going to be flanking your dad. You're going to ride straight out here. Keep an eye on your dad. Keep an eye on, on your flanker over here. But you're going to be able to see this windmill over here. And that's where we're going to end up. But you and your dad and Ronnie are going to come. Y'all are going to do that whole draw on this side. And you're going to circle back around up to this windmill. Yes, sir. No problem. So here we go. We go out there together, and I get out there. I'm overlooking this draw, and I'd kind of been keeping an eye on Lance and Dad on each side of me. But whenever I got up to the top, I was looking over here at this windmill, and I could see a long ways. I look, and Ronnie is about where Lyman is right now. That's how far out there he is, and my dad is about Matheson. And I'm supposed to be out there too, and I'm not. But I look over there, and I can see what has to be all the cattle in the pasture at this windmill. Well, the cow boss, Jim Ed, Jim Ed is, is trying to keep them there with his siren and by feeding them some cake and stuff like that. But still, some of them are trying to wander off. And they're trying to wander off where we've already gathered. So if I don't go down there and do something, me or somebody doesn't go down there and do something... We're going to lose all these, and I was in a conundrum. Do I do what I'm supposed to do as far as gathering or executive decision and go down there and keep these cattle where they're supposed to be until help arrives? Well, I did option number two. And for the next probably an hour while we were waiting all the cowboys to get there, I was like a cowboy ninja when, when, when the cattle would try to go this way out of the brush, I'd lope around and I'd come like walking up out of the brush like the ghost in the darkness and those cows would be like, where'd he come from? And they'd go back to the windmill. And I did this for like an hour and Jim Ed was sitting in his truck drinking coffee going, you're doing good kid, you know? So I was kind of proud of myself, right? And then some people started showing up, you know, Lance started showing up and Ronnie started showing up and my dad showed up. And I saw him coming, and if looks could kill, my heart would have stopped because Dad is mad with a capital MAD, okay? I'm surprised he wasn't at a long lope whenever he got over to 
And he pulled everybody and he said, weren't you supposed to be flanking me? I said, yes, sir. He said, did you cover your part of the... I said, no, sir. Probably the worst one of my entire life. Right there in the middle of a West Texas pasture. Just chewing my rear out. But I told him the truth. There was nothing else I could say. He asked me, weren't you supposed to be flanking me? Do your part in this gathering? Did you cover your country? And I said, no. I had to speak the truth. There's a guy that also spoke the truth. Not Malachi, okay? Not Malachi, not Micah, these other prophets that have their own. The guy's name was Micaiah. And Micaiah was a prophet, and he is found in 1 Kings chapter 22. Now, let me tell you where Micaiah comes in, okay? So, Israel has divided into two kingdoms. Kingdom of Judah, kingdom of Israel, right? Israel has a king, and his name is King Ahab. Judah has a king, and their king is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is a good dude. The Lord says and everything. Ahab, on the other hand, is a knucklehead. Okay? He does not do anything like God wants him to. So uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, they meet up to have a palaver or whatever kings do back then. What was that? That was all right, wasn't it? And so um, they meet together, and, and Ahab says, Jehoshaphat, listen, Jay, we got this town over here on the border that the, somebody has taken over. Will you go help me take it back? He's like, well, of course, man, you know, we'll, we'll do it. And Ahab's like, great. And then Jehoshaphat is like, but, I mean, shouldn't we consult God first? And Ahab's like, oh, I got this part covered, because he employs 400 prophets. And it's really amazing that these 400 tell him that God wants whatever Ahab wants, right? I mean, we know that this is a sham, right? A dog and pony show that these supposed prophets are coming in there. And so Ahab brings in 400 paid prophets and goes, we want to go take this town back. What does God say about it? And everyone, I'm like, oh, God is with you. God is going to bring you enormous victory, O king. I mean, everybody's just blowing smoke, right? And Jehoshaphat is like, are these all the prophets? And Ahab's like, well, I mean, th there's one other, but I hate him. I hate him. And Jehoshaphat is like, that doesn't really sound very kingly to hate somebody. He's always prophesying against me. So they bring Micaiah in. They bring him in. A messenger is sent to go get him. The messenger gets to Micaiah and says, Hey, King Jehoshaphat and King Ahab, they want you to come in and tell them what the Lord says. But just tell them to go ahead and do what they're going to do, and God will give them victory. Right? And Micaiah's like, I'm not going to tell them. I'm only going to tell them what God tells me. Chapter 22, verse 14, this is what Micaiah says to that messenger. But Micaiah replied, as surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. So Micaiah gets there. Ahab says this, and Micaiah drastically says, 
Micaiah says, oh, yeah, the, the Lord will give you victory. Just do whatever you want to. And Ahab knows he's being sarcastic. So Ahab, like a little, like, see, this guy's like a thorn in my side. He never tells me what I want to hear, right? So the head prophet or the paid prophets walks over there and smacks Micaiah. And he's like, you're not telling these things from God and blah, blah, blah. And, and anyway, so Micaiah gets mad and he's like, you know what? You go ahead, King Ahab. You go and you try to, and you know what? You'll never make it back. You'll die. Ahab gets so mad, he orders Micaiah to be thrown in prison with only bread and water and he cannot be let out. Ahab makes it back alive. So Ahab goes out there with Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat dresses in his kingly stuff, right? But Ahab does it. He dresses like a common soldier so that the enemy won't know because the enemy says, don't do anything except go for the king of Israel. Not Jehoshaphat, who's Judah, okay? That's an important distinction. So they see a king, they start trying to go after him, they realize that it's not Ahab, it's Jehoshaphat. But what had happened was in the opening volleys, the archers... You're just, you know, shooting blind. One of them hits Ahab in the joint of his armor. And from that wound, he dies. He never makes it back. Just like Micaiah said. What can we learn from the prophet Micaiah? We can learn that we are to speak the truth no matter what. Speak the truth no matter what. You know, the truth is better for us, you know? I mean, listen, when you speak the truth, especially, well, mainly God's truth, people won't like it. People are not going to like it if you speak the truth. Speaking the truth isn't necessarily going to make your life. It sure didn't make it easier on Micaiah's. Although speaking the truth won't make your life easy, it does make your word true. It does make your word true. Because when you, when you speak the truth, you might get slapped for it, scorned, maybe even thrown into prison with just bread and water to drink until the king comes home. Kind of again, he was thrown into orders not to be let out until Ahab came back alive. He didn't come back alive. Maybe he rotted. I don't know. But he spoke the truth. Micaiah replied, as surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. And when we're talking about the truth, we have to, it just, it really does. I've, I've gone through several stages and now I'm nearly, not all the way there yet. It makes me sad whenever I hear people like, well, people don't like me because I just tell the truth. Usually when people are saying that, you know what they are? They're a bully. They're not speaking the truth. They're speaking their opinion very loud and disguising it as the truth. The truth can only come from God. And you know what? If we were to tell the truth, there would be two things that would drastically change in your life. And I'm fixing to tell you what they are if you come back next week. No, I'm not, not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Things that's going to happen. If you vow to speak nothing but the truth, there's two things that is going to happen. You will watch what you do and you'll watch what you say. I guarantee you, you will, it will change 
your life. Do you want to get the most out of life? Maybe it's as something as simple as this. Now, does this mean that this is easy? No, it's not easy. But it's worth it, and it makes us better people. It brings us closer to God because God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. What if you were to make a vow today to tell yourself that starting right now, that you are going to speak the truth, not your opinion, the truth, it will change your life because like I said, you do watch what you say. And the end result would be life changing. The second thing, the second group that we're going to talk about is, okay, I'm going to try to hear a giggle out of somebody. I'm going to throw my podium at you. I'm going to try to pronounce this guy's name without pulling a hamstring. Zalafahad. That's about as good as I can do. We're going to call him Z because it starts with Z. And there's something, there's an that we can learn from Z because Z had five daughters. Z had five daughters. They were Noah, Hogla. What we learned from Z is never to name your daughter Hogla. That's the entire point. That's the daughter Hogla. Milka and Tirza. Okay, these are, these are happened is they, they are in the wilderness, okay? They're in the wilderness, right? All the Israelites, they've been... They've gone through the Red Sea, and now they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years and everything. And O.Z., he's a good dude. He's a good dude. The Bible says that he was a righteous man, but Z dies in the wilderness. And what Moses is doing is God has ordered Moses, when they get to the promise, 12 tribes are going to divide up the promised land into different areas for the different tribes and blah, blah, blah. Well, these five daughters, they're... Z didn't have a son. And everything, all inheritance and everything goes to the son. And here's the other thing. Back then, women couldn't own land. Well, now these five daughters, their daddy has died, and they're going to be homeless. So what they do is they go to Moses and they say, why should we be punished because God didn't give our dad a son? Give us the inheritance that our dad had coming. So Moses talks to God. You know what God says? <laughs> that was bold. That was bold. You know what? Give them the land. That, I like that. Wow. Wow. God favors the bold. I mean, these ladies, I mean, they're like three million Israel. Five women went up to Moses, one of the pillars in the Christian faith, in many faiths, and asked for something that had never been done before, and they got it. Because God favors the bold. See, God favors those willing to stand up for what is right. God favors those for what is right. But that doesn't mean that God is beholden to us. Just because we, we try to do the right thing all the time, the old thing, but that does not make God beholden to us. Just because we do something right for the right reasons doesn't mean that it's always going to work out for us, okay? I just, 
I, I, I have a problem with that because a lot of people think that prayer and biblical promises are algorithmic, that somehow if we do this, God owes us something. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe Him everything. Okay? So just because we're bold enough to stand up for what is right doesn't mean that it's always going to work out like it did for Z's daughters here. But God favors those willing to stand up for what is right, and God favors those to put it all on the line. Have you? Have you really put it all on the line? Have you been bold enough to do that? Because I know I want to be bold in my faith. I want to be able to stand up for what is right. And you know what? I'm honest with you, a lot of times I don't. And it's usually something that I'm tired or I'm scared or I'm afraid of the consequences. But God wants to favors those who live boldly. I mean, you think about it. Z, it wasn't just his daughter's. God was blessing His daughters because Z had lived a righteous life according to God. God favors the bold. When will you step up? Now, I'm going to say this right here. Whether you're watching online, listening on the radio, or you're sitting here today, you're bold because you're here today. Where else can you go? How far else can you take your faith? What do you need to work bold in your faith. Because if you want to get the most out of life, the truth, you want to get the most out of life, and there's a man that can teach us how to do that. There was a guy that lived three five years. He was 365 years old. He was the seventh generation descended from Adam. From Adam. And his story is told in three different parchment and two times in the New Testament. We first learn of this guy in Genesis 5, verses 23 and 24. This is what the Bible says Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close with God. Then one day he disappeared. Because God took him. Enoch is one of two people recorded in the Bible that did not experience death. He was alive, got him, and got him dying. Okay, the other one was Elijah. Enoch was one of the two people. And he lived 365 years, which is kind of um, kind of young back then. Because if I'm not mistaken, uh Enoch was Methuselah's dad, I think. Dad. Methuselah was the one that lived longer than anybody else on the earth. But Enoch's life tells us that we can actually cultivate a powerful relationship with the Lord, and here it is, and not get tired of God. Not get tired of God. If you want the most out of I can see the, the stuff running through your mind right now. Like, oh, I wouldn't get tired of God. But, but you do. <laughs> you know, because we always get tired. Oh, I just, you know, maybe I don't want to go to church this Sunday. I don't want to pick up my book. I'm tired of being the bigger person. I want to serve today. But Enoch teaches us that 
You can have, even if you live to be 365 years old, you can walk in close fellowship with the Lord. See, a close relationship with God does two things. First thing it does is it makes you wise. If you walk close, you will from that. Okay? In Jude 14 and 15, and I always like Jude because it's not Jude chapter 14 or 15, it's verse 14, one chapter in Jude, okay? So Jude 14 and 15 says this, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these, said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things that they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He prophesied. It made him wise. Because when you have a close walk with God, you get to see people for who they really are. As God sees them for, I mean, for good and bad. But that is a natural result of a close walk with God is wisdom. Now, does wisdom mean that, that you're going to know the right answer to every question? Of course not. It's going to be that wisdom to discern the will of God because you walk closely with Him. I mean, me and Ty have been riding together for eight or nine years. I know what Ty's going to do. He doesn't have to necessarily be right there with me. I, I know what he's going to do, and he knows this same way with me because we ride closely together. We know what the other one is going to do. That's what a close walk with God does for us. It makes us wise where we know the will of God. But the second one, and it's good. It's real good. Close relationship with God pleases God. Not by my words, but in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, the hall of faith is what a lot of people call these passages. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, the writer of Hebrews says, It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. A close relationship, a close fellowship with God will do pleases God. Now, I mean, I, I know, like, I'm like Steve Harvey with the, you know, family feud answers. Yeah, 100 people surveyed. If I was to ask people, what pleases God? I mean, people would say stuff like, oh, you know, when you go to church, when you don't sin, when, um, when you get him burger. I mean, there's a lot of things that people would say, Right? that pleases God. But the Bible tells us exactly what pleases us. Before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Man. And people make our, our faith, I guess, people make it so complicated, don't they? Don't our sinful natures just want to add all of this? But, 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 no. You want to please God, have faith in Him. Walk fellowship with Him. How do we do that? We, we speak the truth. 
How do we walk in close fellowship with God? We're bold in our faith. You want to know how to get the most out of life? It's learning to follow God and live every single day. Was it, is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. Nothing worth it ever is. And this is more than worth it. Don't get tired of God. Cultivate your relationship with God into one. Dad was mad. Dad was real mad. And finally, it was time to take the cows to the pens. So we took the cows to the pens, and I tried to stay as far away from my dad as I could because I still wasn't sure that he wasn't just going to take me out. He brought me into this world, and I'm sure he could have taken me out. So just to be, I was, I was really loving on my dad by staying away from him, you know, just so that he didn't do something he regretted because I know he wanted to. We got to the pens, and the cow boss pulls up, and he says, Paul, we'll go get all these guys trucks and trucks. And I was never so glad to have my dad not near me whatsoever. So he got in the truck with Jim Ed and he left. When they got back on the last truck and trailer back about the time we got done working, it was lunchtime. Dad, you're in the shuttling and we'll pick up there next week. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, this world needs a closer walk one else to do it for us. I pray that all who hear this will take their relationship with you more seriously and give themselves over to the man and mission of Jesus Christ. And God, we love you too. And it's in your son's name that we pray.